0: this is loose leaf a multi-author podcast journal where we talk about goals the ups and downs of writing and where we try to warn you off of our greatest pitfalls make sure you like our facebook page at facebook.com backslash loose leaf podcast we are also on clubhouse just look for loose leaf podcast and if you need an invite to clubhouse Follow us on Facebook and ask for one. We'll gladly send you one. Hi, we are so glad to have Damian Larkin back on Loose Leaf Authors today. And we're just going to jump right in because I've been waiting to talk to you for a while now. Um, Just to remind our listeners, Big Red came out a year or two ago and his second book, Blood Red Sun. The sequel prequel, which we'll get into, is coming out on July 6th, and I'm really excited about it. So first off, tell us what you've been doing for the last... It's probably been a year almost since
1: we... Yeah, it must be about that, yeah. So, I mean, first off, thanks very much for, for having me back again, Charity. It's, it's great to chat to you after all this time. I had loads of fun on the last one, so it's, it's just really excited about this one. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's been a busy year. I think it's been a busy year for, for a lot of us, uh, given the circumstances. So uh, I think like everyone else, I've just been doing my best, kind of keeping my head down, getting stuck into work and kind of writing and stuff. Um, but a lot of it has been kind of um a set, I, I, I suppose, towards like getting ready for the launch of Blood Red Sand, um, which is yeah, I'm really excited about what's coming out now uh, on the 6th of July. So um but yeah, it's it's a bit of a strange one because like, you know, some people are calling it a prequel in the sense that it is set like 20 years before the event, the early events of Big Red. And then other people are calling it like a sequel because it, it like, thanks to the time travel al- uh, time travel element, it, it is kind of like a sequel for some of the characters involved. So I'm just trying to meet everyone kind of like in the middle and calling it a pre sequel. Yes. I uh, coined uh, a phrase coined by my friend uh, Pamela Livingston. Um, but yeah, I think that's the best way of kind of putting it. You know, it's, it can be considered a prequel, it can also be considered a sequel, you know. So I'll let, I'll let, I'll let the readers decide on that yes. one. Yes.
0: Well, yeah. I actually love that because it is because of the time differences and the whole everything that kind of goes along yep. with that compression travel hollow <laughs> program and it's just it I'll just be honest it totally blew my mind thank you <laughs> I have more questions now I mean there were like one or two sort of questions answered I didn't know I had yeah <laughs> and now I'm like okay I hope you're working on book three because <laughs> I'm ready.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I've got a good few stories to go in the, the overall universe. So I, I think at this point in time, I'm waiting to kind of gauge what the, the reaction is to Blood Red Sand, because it's it's very different from Big Red that just kind of followed um, the point of view of one character, where this one is you get the the third person kind of interactions from different characters. So I'm just so I think I'm more than Anthony, I'm intrigued to see what the reactions are to some of the uh some of the surprises I have in place, and then I'll kind of make the decision on what way I'm going to go with it. So I have everything kind of mapped out for the direct sequel to, to Blood Red Sand, and it's under the working title of um, Blood, Red's, uh, Blood Red Steel. Um, so it kind of follows on w- with with those types of characters in Blood Red Sand, but I do want to do a direct kind of sequel to uh, Big Red as well, which again, just picks up where we left off with that yes. character, Dub Lachlan. So again, that one's under the, the working title of Born Red um and it's it's something I'm, I'm really I really want to dive into it but I've, I've kind of struggled with it a little bit um yeah. I've done three drafts of, of, of that book and I've scrapped all three of them so it's just
0: oh goodness <laughs> yeah I think
1: I just I think I just need to go back with it with a clear head and I figured there's no point kind of worrying about it now with the launch of a book because I can't really kind of concentrate or, or give it the time and intention that I want to when I have like a launch kind of hanging over to me but yeah I mean I am going to write them it's just a matter of
0: in what order and when. Right. Well, and the nice thing, (laughs) you have this freedom with your order that uh, a lot of authors don't have. So that's kind of cool. A built-in safety net.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's that's why I kind of wanted to mix it up, because I I don't want to necessarily tell the same order and the same kind of stories in that order. I wanted to kind of keep things fresh and mix it up. And I suppose one of the things that kind of... um, I think people enjoyed about Big Red was that it's, you know, it's told from one kind of person's perspective and it's a very unique one as well. specifically it's an Irish person and he's not like a gung ho kind of warrior, like with a cigar kind of hanging out and like big muscles and ripped. <laughs> he's just an average kind of normal dude. Yes. Um, whereas kind of people said they enjoyed the battle scenes, but you're only really seeing it from his perspective. So there's a couple of epic battles that I suppose, you know, people kind of missed out on. And that's what I want to do with Blood Red Sand. I wanted it to, to, to kind of have that kind of overview of the things that were going on to get into the nitty and gritty and the darker side of stuff that I couldn't really capture with kind of Big Red. So I'm I'm very happy with it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, that's another way the two books were different. Uh, (laughs) You know, Big Red had a little bit more of the storyline. There were things going on in between the battle scenes and Blood Red Sand was just high octane, full force. You were in the trenches. Everybody's dying, gruesome deaths, uh, (laughs) but you just keep pushing and pushing pushing so so you get to see like you said that different side of war and the battles and everything so it was I found it fascinating um thank you and like I said in my review all I could think was high octane just (laughs) full steam ahead explosions you know everything I was telling my son about it he's 14 and he's like I might have to read that
1: (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah. And, and to be honest, that, that's exactly what I kind of wanted to do, you know, because I, I think when I was writing it, um, I was, I, it was a very kind of busy time in, in kind of working my life. And I think there was, I had a lot of kind of frustrations and I kind of just used kind of blood red sand to kind of vent some of that stuff. So it's, yes. I did want that high octane. I wanted that like constant boom, boom, boom. It just, it's unrelenting like machine gun fire, you know. Uh, and I wanted to put those characters in these god awful like horrible situations, you know, where it's mm-hmm. just going from bad to worse, you know, because... I think like in a lot of kind of like wars, that's how it goes. It's never kind of like, we're going to go in, take out the enemy. Happy days. It's going to work out. You know, there's always like these challenges and kind of unexpected scenarios kind of coming at you. So that's pretty much what I wanted to do. So,
0: (laughs) Well, and it's true that that's just how life works in general. Whenever you think you've got a plan, everything's going to go wrong. I mean, they come out of space and they're attacked immediately, and all the ships yeah. are basically destroyed, and they crash, and
1: yeah, <laughs> they just
0: go from there. So uh, yeah, I loved it.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. I'm glad to hear that. Oh.
0: <laughs> It was a good break from all my romance reading I've been doing. I was like, oh yes, so <laughs>
1: mix uh, it up a little bit.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. well, and I totally feel your need to uh, kind of use the writing medium to work through your own emotions because oh yeah. I felt the same way the last month. I'm like, I think I need to go back to my science fiction, my science fantasy, because yeah. I need to kill people and blow things up. I know,
1: and, you know, It's good. It's good just to get it kind of out there, you know, that's why you just take all those kind of uh, those, those emotions that kind of build up in you and just find an outlet, you know, and I think it's no different than a musician picking up a guitar or kind of like a painter kind of like trying to express how you feel uh, as writers. That's something that we have to kind of tap into. And I think it's good to kind of use that, that kind of emotions to, to kind of drive a story or, or, I suppose, drive some aspect of, of the story, you know? So yeah, right. oh, yeah I definitely stand by you.
0: <laughs> well, I have um, a couple of things. I haven't had a chance, but I actually feel like I need to go back and read Big Red now that I've read Blood Red Sand. <laughs> yeah.
1: because a few people have said that
0: <laughs> Get the characters like, because I felt like I was just meeting the characters in Blood Red Sand, uh, McCabe yeah. and some of the others. And because of the time difference, I, I wasn't like fitting them in where they fit in Dub and Dub story. Gotcha. Yeah. So so I am kind of excited to go back and go, oh my gosh, you know, and connect yeah. the dots. But I really liked the characters in Blood Red Sand because like I said, I didn't get to know them before and Dub and his friends are, are, are almost shadows on the outside as the black yeah. masks.
1: Yeah. And
0: I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) which is cool. I like I don't even know where to start with my questions because I want (laughs) to know more about Majestic Twelve and like but I'm You know, so I'm just telling you. Here's what I want to know in whatever book you write next.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely, and I mean, I can certainly dive into that. So, uh, I think that was one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to do when when I kind of sat down with Blood Red Sand um, was to kind of explore some of the backstories of some of the secondary characters. So, I kind of flipped the script a little bit in the sense that, like the uh, the the main characters in Big Red are the secondary, the secondary kind of characters are kind of make appearances or whatever. But um, it was all about kind of, I suppose. Breeding life into Some of the the main Kind of secondary characters In Big Red Mm -hmm. So I think the the two Kind of big ones That kind of uh, stand out Would be the likes of uh, Colonel Wellesley In Big Red uh, Kind of giving him A backstory Into why he is The way he is And then um, Exploring the the, I suppose What happened to Captain Lockhart To make him The way that he was You know As in Big Red We know him as like this Completely drugged up Drunk Kind of like (laughs) maniac But he's like One of the best pilots They have you know So it's kind of exploring what happened to him to make him the way he was you know Uh, and he is going to kind of feature in some of the future stories as well you know so he is a character that I I really loved I even loved in the first book but that's why I had to kind of give him something you know I wanted (laughs) to kind of I suppose give him this backstory essentially
0: yeah and you cover a lot of hard topics in the midst of all these (laughs) battle scenes which I think is a real talent to be able to I mean, you're telling us about the battle and all the carnage, but you know, we're dealing with the third Reich and the Jews and all of that conflict and turmoil, which, you know, affects your characters yeah. deeply. And, and that's kind of what drives them and pushes them to keep going when it just seems like, oh my gosh, you know, I know I will, I would not have been there in the first place, but if I was <laughs> that kind of person, yeah. <laughs> just roll over and go, okay, this is this is just not working. So yeah. do you want to talk about why you wanted to, to look at that and focus on that and
1: yeah absolutely yeah happy to so um, I think that's one of the things I kind of explored with Big Red and I kind of explored a bit more on this one and it's it's kind of good and evil so the, the way I kind of think about it is right Um, I was raised in kind of World War II films it's just one of those things you know we just used to love watching them and that type of stuff is very kind of clear cut it's like the Allies are the good guys and the Nazis are the, are the bad guys and that that's absolutely true I think we all kind of agree with that uh, the thing that I think like, terrifies me more than Anton is uh, what I call, like, the a, a, a Scooby-Doo ending. Um, if you kind of watch the Scooby-Doo cartoons, uh, there's always a monster and there's, like, you know, a ghost or something like that haunting an area. But at the end of the story, it's always, always kind of revealed to be a human. It's never this big bad monster who's kind of like wrecking the place it's it's a human being i think that's something that that terrifies me uh, since kind of first learning about the, the nazis when I was like in school is like i think in your head you kind of you you paint them as these like these monsters and these vampires and these kind of werewolves but like a lot of more like average day people and that's something i just struggle to wrap my head around like how you, you could have people commit these terrible acts of genocide and still be kind of like like be husbands and you know be fathers and kind of be you know members of the community you know they're they're not kind of like people kind of twiddling their moustaches and kind of laughing nefariously they're they're normal people but they go on to commit like absolutely gruesome acts and that's something that i think i struggle to wrap my head around how you know a quote-unquote normal person can go away and commit those actions you know so i think with my writing it's it's me trying to understand um just pure evil you know and how it can kind of it's take human form essentially so that's something that kind of drove me on to kind of just like try and look at these 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 characters you know uh, and i think it, one of the the main kind of uh, bad guys like he's a, an ss kind of um he's an ss kind of leader and he's kind of like does these terrible kind of like uh, ex- experiments on people it's the way he kind of rationalizes it in his head which i think scares me even kind of reading back and it, it's in his head he's doing the right thing he doesn't sit there and think that i'm a bad guy you know uh, and that's how like people like that act they they find ways of justifying um these terrible actions and build it into their own world for you to think that you know i'm doing the right thing so he's go, he's gone off kind of butchering people and, and kind of experimenting on people but in his worldview he's doing it for the good of all humanity that's how he's justifying it to himself even though it's morally reprehensible so yeah i think i use it as an outlet for for me to try and try and kind of understand just this absolute mad kind of evil uh, that's in the world Martin than anton
0: And I think it boils down to our choices because you even show that the allies, when they get the upper hand in some of these situations and they're thinking about all these horrible things that these Nazis have done, they struggle with that same darkness of wanting the revenge side of it.
1: Um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, a
0: part of us can say, well, that's totally justifiable. They just did this and I don't want to throw out any spoilers. (laughs) And and I think we all struggle with that on some level because we do, we get in our mindset, this is the way the world should be and I'm doing everything I can to, to make that. And yet, how do we stop and look at ourselves and go, okay, <laughs> yeah. now I'm becoming like them. And, and I think you had a really good balance with your characters and the allied forces struggling with that and finding kind of a, I guess, a new standing ground and where they yeah,
1: were. Absolutely. You know, I think it's like you said, everyone kind of struggles with this stuff morally, you know, um, like it's, it's, I think we see in our kind of everyday lives when you might kind of read about someone committing a despicable kind of crime or something like that. And your first instinct is let's hang them. They should be like hung or shot or that type of stuff, you know? um, And then there's, the, at the same time, it comes back to the moral thing. Is that morally the right thing to do, you know, is it is is a kind of, is that not against God's law type of stuff, you know? So it's, I suppose it's trying to look at it from all different angles that like, um, when we see kind of good and evil, it's not necessarily that clear cut. Um, Like you you take the allies, not all of them are like the Captain Americas that I would have seen in kind of the World War kind of two movies. Um, It's it's people, you've got good people and you've got bad people and good people commit terrible actions and, and bad people commit good ones. So it's, again, just my exploration of good and evil to try and kind of wrap my head around it myself and try and understand it a little bit better, you know? I right. uh, probably take a lifetime trying to understand it as well, you know.
0: <laughs> I think we all will because obviously, if you look at different things going on in our world, you know, yeah. my country and everything, we haven't, we haven't learned from the past, and we're making the same prejudicial, you know, judgments and mistakes. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I really enjoyed kind of digging into that, and it's so funny because you don't necessarily think about that until you're finished reading the book (laughs) and you catch your breath. And then (laughs) you start thinking, you're like, Wow, there was a lot packed in there. (laughs) Yeah,
1: big time, yeah. Yeah, I I wanted to kind of just get as much as I could in there. Like, I didn't want it to just be, like, you know, all guns and and blood and guts and stuff like that. I wanted to take the time to explore different aspects of of, of, not just good and evil, what it means to be a human type of stuff and kind of prejudice that that, that we have. You know, you kind of even, you've seen it in Big Red where um, they had, like, a very, like, normal human beings had a very kind of... um, like negative view of the the native martians you know even though they 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 might be kind of like pretty much related in terms of like biology they're just they, they despise them because they kind of come from a different planet type of stuff you know so it's again we see it in our world where i don't like you because you were born here or because you're from this country or you have that type of religion you know so it is just trying to understand i think because like i've seen that type of stuff in my country like when, when i was growing up and um, there was terrorist attacks uh from different kind of organizations just based purely on religion um and it's something that i suppose it stayed with me now thankfully i never kind of experienced that stuff it took place like 200 kilometers north of me but it's still grown up every day and kind of like reading newspapers and seeing on the tv these horrible bomb attacks like civilians being targeted and then kind of killed just because of like a historical disagreement you know thankfully things have gotten much much better nowadays that you know we're all technically on the same side and everyone kind of gets along but it's just it's horrible to kind of remember and it's terrifying to think that just a few kind of actions can set that all off again and that's not just here in Ireland it's everywhere throughout the world you know like you said we're we're like we're still struggling to kind of learn from the past and I think as long as we we keep trying to better ourselves you know as long as we keep trying to learn and trying to push ourselves forward that's all we can kind of ask for at this point and I'm sure at some point we will kind of get there we will kind of come together as, as an international community you know one way or another you know I do think it's
0: possible. We sure hope so, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. that's kind of a good segue into the other area of questions, because in this okay. book, we don't get to see a lot of the the Mars people, but, you know, that phrase does show up the we have always been here.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's like <laughs> the big question mark that I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's the, you know, and I know you probably can't answer that because you need to save that for the books, but just know That that whole thought of we have always been here really resonates. So I don't know how you came up with with that one line, but in both books, every time, that's something that I have internally felt kind of in connection with what we've been talking about with, with learning to accept each other and to become an international community to kind of, and it's so hard because- I don't want to say we have to stop seeing our our differences because those make yep. us stronger. You know, you don't yeah, want to stop absolutely. seeing the cultural differences or race because that has made us who we are. Yeah. But at the same time you want to say but that's not your how you judge a person and that's yep. not how you go into interacting with them. So so I don't know and I don't know why that is. I don't know, you know. <laughs> so I don't know if there's anything you can share with us on Without spoilers, I know that's <laughs> really put you <laughs> on the spot there. Uh,
1: don't, worries, don't worry, you. <laughs> how you uh,
0: even you, came you know, up with that? I,
1: I honestly, I don't know. I, I think the first time it's mentioned is um, that part in Big Red after uh, um, Doug tries to rescue his friend. She tries to commit suicide in the uh, airlock and she sets yes. off a grenade. I think that was the first time I referenced it. And it just it was one of those lines that kind of came to my head, but it kind of stayed with me then. And I, I suppose I had tried to. look at it from different angles and i suppose if you ask 10 different readers what it means to them you get 10 different answers and same with the characters they do kind of have differing interpretations of what that means you know like some of them believe that we've always been here means that like they've always he's always been on the planet mars others mean that like we've always been in this type of situation Um, in terms of kind of war others kind of believe that they, they're kind of reliving the same events over and over again. So it really is kind of like it's up, it's up to the, the individual to kind of make out what, what, what it means to them essentially. But there is, I, I suppose I have an answer um, that I'm not going to go into here <laughs> because I'm saving it for a future book uh, when, when it, will, it will all kind of come out. But uh, at the minute I'm kind of saying like whatever kind of it means to you, you know, um, I suppose explore that. But if you, if you want any more kind of in-depth information, look back on any time that it's referenced and see what the characters are talking about. And that's the the best kind of clue I can give to you or any other readers I are asked what it means, you know? But it will, you know, I'm building up to what it all means.
0: That's that's excellent. That's all I need to know. I can rest <laughs> peacefully now and wait till Lip. next year, the year after whenever <laughs> something else comes. And because it is, it's, it, it's a great phrase that does have multiple meanings, like you said, to the different characters and in the story because all of those could be right.
1: <laughs> exactly, you know exactly, and and like that. I mean, you could have already said it here on the show. Uh, the yeah. correct answer, It's just I can't <laughs> confirm or deny it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just I'm leaving it open to interpretation because I I love kind of creating these open loops where I'm not necessarily answering every single you know, question that that's been asked in the book. I do want kind of people to kind of think about it themselves and come up with their own answers and, and then maybe they want to come back to me on it. I I, yes. I might kind of let them know if they get it once they kind of read it. <laughs> Who knows?
0: Yeah, once <laughs> uh, you've found uh, your ending.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Well I do I do know how it's gonna kind of gonna end. I've got all the books kind of mapped out. It's just it's just a matter of actually sitting down and kind of writing them. Like I, like I said, I've struggled a bit with the, the direct sequel to Big Red. And I think it was just because I wasn't in a mindset for, you know, I, I do know what the ending is. And if you look back on, on, on some of the different scenes, it's hinted at very, very strongly what it's all building up to. Uh, and it is yeah. going to rear its ugly head in the next book
0: or two. So just oh. stand by you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, really, thank you. So let's go back to uh, Dub and his friends yep. with the black visors. I don't yep. know how much you can share because obviously that's <laughs> going to come back because this is the the timeline wibbly wobbly timey wibby stuff, as yeah. the doctor would say, <laughs> know, which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> but I loved for me, you know, they they're just kind of there, barely their shadows the whole time, but. Yep in their last scene where they give just a hint. I mean, and it is, but that scene in my head just totally sticks out. And I know we can't talk in detail because it's toward the end, (laughs) but that whole scene of them leaving, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the character's name they came to save. And I should, because she's so important. Anna Bailey. Anna Bailey, you know that whole scene was so impactful and probably because we'd seen all these battle scenes and then there's it's it's not a quiet scene but it's not i don't know how to explain what i'm saying but just <laughs> yeah. the juxtaposition of that scene and kind of the quiet references that are made as they're leaving yeah <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> our readers <laughs> can't see, i'm like thumbs up Okay, I don't know. It was <laughs> <Yeah>. awesome.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I, I did, I did want to have that in there specifically to answer some of the questions that, like, I'm, I'm sure people were going to ask. at that point, point. Um, and I suppose from from the, the characters, uh, the the Black Voices perspective, a lot has kind of changed for them um, since the end of Big Red. So it's it's interestingly enough, not too much time has passed. So from their perspective, I think I have it like three days after the end of uh, Big Red. But it's kind of all the things that's happened to them within those three days kind of reveals a lot. And that's pretty much like the opening kind of chapters of of kind of Born Red is exploring that a little bit and realizing that there's a lot more kind of going on than I I suppose people are aware of, you know. Uh, And even though I've kind of hinted at a little bit, but there's a specific reason why those characters were selected for the, the Myers occupation force in in uh, the first uh, book. Um, and I've never kind of explored it, but there is, that's the one thing I will say, it's not just random chance that these people happen to be taken there. It's something that's kind of going on a good bit. And I think it's going to be explored like definitely in Big Red, or sorry, in, in Born Red, in the in the sequel, but you're going to see hints of it then in the books set in the kind of blood red sand kind of timeline as well as it's kind of gradually building up to to the official kind of um, Holo program being used by the, the Mars uh, occupation force type of stuff. So it's I think both kind of narratives will definitely explore it, but yeah, it is coming. You know, I will definitely be delving into
0: it. <laughs> Uh, it's so funny you're talking I think it's all connected that's another show I've been binge watching it's all connected (laughs) (laughs) absolutely (laughs) okay so we've talked a lot about the books but let's let's talk about you let's spend a few minutes and explore other than writing what have you been doing this last year I know how's Ireland handling the COVID situation are you coming out of the pandemic as well or
1: yeah um I mean we had a very rough year in terms of it like especially when it started kicking in but it's surprising we don't really have uh or we didn't really have a lot of faith in our in our kind of government um at all i mean I suppose like a lot of countries kind of feel like that as well you know um but they were they they weren't the best you know they're like historically they were kind of guilty of a lot of stuff you know but it's probably the one thing they handled right was the pandemic and that's something that i think their approval rating went through the roof over and um, because they tend not to do good stuff or kind of do good work or deliver on their promises and stuff but they actually made the one right decision and i think it was uh based on the fact that they were kind of looking at italy uh, italy and they were seeing the kind of the the debt rates kind of spiral and they said right this is actually serious maybe we should we should start following some of the advice that we're receiving and they did that and i think that the actions that they took and um, prevented like a lot of deaths and bringing in the social distancing kind of programs and kind of uh locking down um parts of the country to kind of stop it so um the midway through we ended up having an election and we've got now a coalition government so the old government plus the new kind of um parties kind of melded in together uh, and i think we're, we're not as happy now as we were and uh, i think because there's all that internal kind of politics and stuff and and um, promises kind of, you know, not being delivered and people demand an action, you know. But uh, I think overall as a country, we've, we've come together very, very strongly. Like we've prioritized the, the vaccination of our most kind of vulnerable citizens. So the likes of the elderly and the sick, um, they're very, very high on the, the vaccination rates. Slow for the rest of the population, but, you know, I think we, we are heading in the right direction. Most of the economy has been kind of reopened now um, as of the last couple of weeks. And um, we're still waiting on, on the ability to kind of have indoor drinks in pubs. So it's something I'm definitely really, really <laughs> looking forward to. Um, but I mean, that's probably a few weeks off now. I think they, they were talking about opening up over the next, uh, I think, week or two weeks. But um, we're start, starting to get advice to say that maybe it's probably going to have to wait another couple of weeks after that. But overall, we were definitely heading in the right direction we've managed to kind of crush the, the the virus for the most part. And right now we're just waiting for everyone to get vaccinated and hopefully things can get back to normal then a little bit, you know, or the new normal as they call it. So, <laughs> right. The <laughs> new see.
0: normal. You, you've you just got to crush of my hopes. and my, Ever since my trip to Ireland, I'm like, I would yeah. move to Dublin in a heartbeat because I had such a great time, but obviously I don't get, I didn't get to see all the political yeah. side and, and all those kind of things. But I do remember, I mean, every day right after work the pubs were full people (laughs) are out on the you know street in front of it because they can't all fit inside and it just but it was just like this happy kind of feeling so I hope you guys can get that back soon because I yeah, just we really see. want to back
1: <laughs> I think we, we, we've earned it now at this stage after like 15 months of kind of lockdown uh, I think they, they let us out around September October last year but that was about it you know Yeah. so yeah I think after 15 months we all just want to go back and have a few points and have a bit of a laugh you know and make fools yeah. of ourselves out in the streets and you know we're, we're getting there we're close
0: well what I loved it maybe it's because it was still early in the afternoon I never yeah. saw like any drunken craziness. So it's just like happy people having a, a good time unwinding. It, it tends day. to be
1: like that in the day. And then it just slowly kind of worsens going into the night, you know? <laughs> it's just
0: that's probably how it is all over yeah. the world. Yeah. Suppose, yeah. <laughs> oh. absolutely. so did you find after several months in the pandemic, you yeah. found a new groove for your writing? Because obviously you finished the book yeah. during that time. Yeah. So what what I, did you find worked for you?
1: I think it was like anything it was, it was adapting to a different situation um, like I, I kind of my my work essentially got busier because we were in one of those um, like I work as, as, a, as a planning analyst for a major kind of broadband and TV kind of provider which was deemed essential because obviously people are locked down so they need their internet to work from home and they need yes. their TV to keep them from entertained or else there'll be riots on the streets especially with no pubs so my work got considerably kind of busier and um, so yeah I was kind of very very kind of flat out in terms of like you know every single Single day just loads to do and uh, no, I, I love my job i have to say i'm, I'm very very lucky in the sense that like I, I, I enjoy it and i look forward to kind of going into it so at least there's no kind of dread there but in terms of the writing it was like my routine was just smashed completely because i was used to kind of doing the bulk of my work when my children were in school but with the schools kind of locked down um it was like you know a limited time so right. i basically managed to kind of do a large quantity of my writing in these kind of moments when I have silence with the children. So say, for example, they're two very young kids. They're like uh, seven and six, but they're constantly running around, constantly playing games, constantly yeah. fighting and making noise and stuff like that. But you might get like a bit of silence, say for 20 minutes when they're having their breakfast in the mornings, in which case I'm churning out a couple of hundred words. I'm sitting beside them just typing kind of furiously. <laughs> Again, same around dinner time um, and around evening time when they're having kind of like a snack or something like that, I might get 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, on the on the work front, I've, I, I've been working a lot through my lunch, so I get a 40-minute lunch every day. Uh, and I literally, as soon as my my lunch break kicks in, it's like straight on the laptop, boom, 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 um, which is handy because like I've been working from home the, the whole time. So it's not like I have to kind of, I mean, in a physical kind of like yeah, office space, I can just literally reach over to the laptop, turn it on, and bash out like a thousand words in 40 minutes. So I think that's what's kind of kept me going. Um, and <laughs> It's trying to adapt to a new way of doing things. Uh, whereas beforehand, I would have desperately needed silence to do any writing. I had to be like in the zone, focused, everyone's silent. <laughs> now it's like I, I can do it with like two kids kind of shouting and, and fighting. And with yeah. a time limit, no one have to get back to work. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just adapted. <laughs>
0: I see. And I love that you said that, because we're talking all the time on the podcast about figuring out what works for you. But as you said, that changes over time, depending on the situation, and you just have to try different things until it works. And so I love that you were able to do that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I had no other option to it, you know, Um, it's like with the kids there full time, mm-hmm. as opposed to having a couple hours peace and quiet it really was like, when am I going to get it done? Because uh, I find my my energy levels drop the later in the day we go. So um, I'm very productive towards the early part of the day, but come evening time, I can barely do anything. So say when, if I were to leave it till when they go to bed, I wouldn't be able to kind of do as many as I'd like to, or do as many words as I'd like to. So it is looking at, a, at these pockets of availability and utilize them as much as possible because you know, I love writing I, and that's all I really want to do all day long if I could, you know.
0: So <laughs> right. As soon as I become
1: an international bestseller, i I'll have it sorted, you know. But, uh, until then, I have to just write through my lunch. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that is so funny because just recently I was talking to a couple of different people saying, I wish I could just write. I don't want to have to think about marketing. I don't want to have to think about yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the things that go with the entrepreneurial yeah. part. I just want to I write don't. and forget the rest of the world. So
1: yeah. And I think that is a dream. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is the dream. Thank you for keeping the internet and TV running in your country because <laughs> I know here that's been a total (laughs) lifesaver.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) And I don't know if you guys had the same problem, but you know, my house for a while, all my kids had come home from college. So we would have two kids doing college courses online. My husband was working from home. And then, you know, I had two other kids and my mom also lives with us. So we had seven people on our internet (laughs) Yeah. and my poor husband would be you know everything was over zoom calls and he would come out and go everybody get off the internet i have to present <laughs> because he'd get kicked yeah. off
1: yeah so, <laughs> <I've> been there
0: <laughs> so we appreciate all the work that went behind the scenes to keep internet up and running yeah. and <laughs> doing it the is. best that it it's
1: could the that held kind of society <laughs> together more than anything you know a fast and stable broadband connection
0: yeah that and netflix Netflix (laughs) any kind of of tv streaming yeah yeah absolutely
1: Uh, (laughs) yeah so i can only imagine well what it would have been like without that type of stuff you know yeah right
0: well maybe we wouldn't have gained so much weight we would have been outside doing something maybe i don't know
1: Uh, still (laughs) it's allowed it's allowed it's pandemic
0: yeah well uh and I at least live in the woods people in big cities there's really nowhere you could have gone
1: yeah geez that must have been very very tough you know um because we're we're lucky I live in a big suburban area suburban area in the, the south of Dublin but the mountains are just literally right over there so um and that's probably one of the the one thing that kind of stays with me about the pandemic um lockdown kind of started kicking in a few days before St. Patrick's Day which is just unheard of over here so the concept of having no parades no kind of pubs in St. Patrick's Day it's it's crazy. Well, it was crazy to us back then um, when it was first starting, but it was it was strange as in, like in an act of solidarity uh, on St Patrick's Day, um, everyone went up to the mountains and just stood so, socially distanced. Now it was like we all came together in in the only way we knew how even in a socially distance kind of way you know which really kind of um struck home with me like we we're all kind of dressed up in the tricolor and waving the flag and we couldn't have a parade and we couldn't have our, our points so we all just wanted to come together anyway in, in the safest way we knew how so I thought that was really cool
0: yeah that sounds really cool because like you do you do start to feel that need for other people again and to feel like even if you can't hug them or shake their yeah. hand or you know be all together close, but to just know, okay, I'm not alone. My countrymen are still here with me. Yeah. We still enjoy the same things. We still want the same things. Uh, so that, that was probably a really special yeah, Moment. absolutely.
1: It did. <laughs> as, it resonated, and it was the same again uh, this year for St Patrick's Day. We again couldn't yeah. have a parade, and again we couldn't go to the points or go for our points or go to the pubs or anything. But we just went out to the fields and we went out to the parks, and again everyone socially distanced, but kind of waving the flag around and kind of shouting yeah. as loud as we could, and kind of like just friendly smiles and nods at each other. So it was, it was really <laughs> nice. It was really nice. You know, hope we will have a parade next year.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That kind of makes me sad too. I just, I know there are pockets of that in the United States, but it just seems like people struggle so much here to, to just love each other and feel like you're on the same side.
1: Yeah, it's everywhere, I suppose, you know, like, no, there's no one country on this planet where everybody gets along and, you know, we're all best friends, you know, I think as, as long <laughs> as, as individual citizens, as, as we try and do our best for our community and for each other and kind of like for our kind of countries, that's, that's all we can really do, you know, as long as you can kind of look at yourself in the mirror and think, you know, I'm being the best person that I can be, and I'm being the best member of my community that I can be, that, yeah. that's ultimately the goal of it all, you know, hopefully we can, I suppose, persuade enough people to move in the right direction to step away from like the, the hatred and the, the kind of anger that's just been festering there, you know, or what I call the emotionalism of it. Rather kind of being emotional about the likes of politics is looking at the logical stone cold facts of it, you know. But uh, I think it, as, as long as we try as individuals, we're,
0: we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. And that's something we can always hope for. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Like, I've talked a lot, asked my questions, but is there anything on your mind that you're like, Let's talk about this.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I suppose the, the only thing that, that that I really enjoy talking about is. Um... I, and I've mentioned it, I think I actually probably mentioned it on the last kind of podcast as well, but I do. I'll go out of my way to bring it up as much as, as kind of possible. And it's it's the likes of military service. Um, I've spoken about it and kind of done interviews on uh, multiple occasions. And I, I constantly, I suppose, I'm appreciative of the seven years I, I spent as reservist in the uh, in the Reserve Defence Forces here in Ireland. Uh, and it was like in, in the infantry. And it was a weapons specialist towards the end of that term. Um, but it's something that I really, really enjoyed. And I always kind of encourage as many people as, as possible, um, especially kind of young people um who might be kind of considering doing something like that not necessarily kind of in this in full time if you're un- uncertain but at the very least uh, join the reserves of whatever you're kind of uh, interested in um i, I just look back at that and i have so many fond memories of uh, being like a young person and kind of learning all these skills that still are with me to this day Like okay, i've learned lessons um when i was 17 about you know um I suppose I still utilize my kind of personal and professional life and I don't think I would have learned those lessons if it had not been for joining the the, the defense forces so uh, it's something I'm very very kind of grateful for Um, I, it's I've so many experiences that I could spend all day talking about them but it just wouldn't do it justice you have to kind of see them and live through them to believe it you know um but yeah that's that's my one kind of main talking point is like to anybody kind of listening um if you have like if you're a young person yourself or you know what kind of young person looking for for something different you know um we used to have a slogan over here it was called a life less ordinary and that was the kind of slogan for the defense forces but yeah it's that type of stuff you know like learning kind of lifelong skills and making friendships that you'll have for decades and playing with guns as well you know in a safe <laughs> kind of manner that was a big driving thing uh, for us it's like you know uh, like because we we obviously have a, have a very kind of strict gun control policy over here you, you can own uh, weapons but it's it's very hard to kind of gain access to them uh, and you know due to kind of health uh, health and safety kind of legislation and stuff like that it's, it's mainly kind of like farmers or kind of people with land who'd have them to kind of protect their kind of properties and stuff but um yeah when it comes to like semi-automatic weaponry that doesn't exist over here, you know? Yeah, so it's a chance to actually you. play with it. <laughs> but again, you, you have a, a lifelong res- respect for kind of weaponry like that, then, as, as well, you know? So, um, but yeah, to anyone who's listening, National Service, it's fantastic.
0: I, I will totally agree with that. My brother did 20 years in the Air Force, and well done. In 2019 into 2020, we had an international exchange student from the Netherlands. Oh, cool. Great kid, super nice. Uh, He went home. He's very social. So, trying to do school, university online was really hard for him. And he's like, I just don't like it. So, he joined the Dutch Navy. And great. You know, he sends us pictures, and it is so weird to see this happy, huge smile on his face kid with his big gun and his gear (laughs) and, you know, all these things. But he is having a blast. Um, And he's getting his schooling, his training through that and uh and so yeah I totally agree that there there are so many positive things that can come from that service and I know I'm very grateful for everyone that has served
1: absolutely our country yeah 100 Um, percent um fair play to people who can actually kind of step up and and do it you know it's it's fantastic and I think the I, I, I struggle to kind of wrap my head around how they can willingly put their lives on the line for their community you know and how they can just willingly kind of accept it to, to do that, you know? Uh, and it's just, it's a different kind of mindset, you know? So rather than kind of like take, 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 they're, they're just giving everything, they're going through this sometimes brutal training, putting these horrible kind of situations. Um, yeah, it's just, it's mind blowing. So yeah, I think we could we could thank them till the cows come home, but, you know, it's still not going to be enough for, for the people who were out there making a difference, you know, and kind of keeping us all safe and uh, I suppose participating in different kind of missions through the, the UN uh, type of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, fair play to each and every one of them.
0: Yeah, especially when so many people aren't grateful and are very vocal.
1: Yeah. I, I'll never I'll never be able to wrap my head around. I can understand being frustrated at a situation, but like targeting veterans and kind of serving members um of the military it's just yeah, that's that's it's a no-fly with me, you know. I mean you can you can disagree with government policy and you can different disagree with kind of any kind of policy or law that, that you like. I mean, that's the, the whole beauty of, of a democracy, but to kind of target people who are out there kind of making a difference and not getting tanked and in some cases not getting paid well what they deserve to get paid you know that just never makes yeah.
0: sense to me in a million years you know yeah yeah well, if we get into stuff that doesn't make sense we'll be here all day <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah oh
1: my
0: goodness
1: we'll save it for the next show
0: <laughs> yeah, right
1: <laughs> set the world stories <laughs> yeah.
0: okay so you said born red is is the one that's in planning to come out next or is that just in that yeah. lineup?
1: It's, it's in the lineup. I, I think right now I'm just curious to see what the reaction is to Blood Red Sand okay. because it's so different to Big Red. Uh, and I think if, if if there's a bit of an outcry or like, it, it, like people are loving it a lot more than kind of Big Red, I'll do the sequel to that first. Whereas if it's kind of mixed or it's 50-50, I'll, I'll go back to the, the Born Red. So literally it's just a matter of kind of waiting to the 6th of July, give it maybe a week after up once I kind of gauge people's interest and kind of if people are asking me questions a lot more or... um. Kind of query in it then then i'll make the decision but like i mean i'm going to bring those books out you know it's just a matter of what,
0: what when. or when <laughs> <Yes>. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly just a matter of when
0: awesome okay so we know we have born red to look forward to so what yep. would be the the title of the flip side if if you chose to do the other one the uh, sequel but, to blood red
1: oh be blood red steel that's the, the working that's toilet blood at the
0: red steel. okay
1: now, subject to change, but yeah, that's that's the kind yes. of thoughts I had in that. Uh, and I've got this story all mapped out, and it was it was hinted, well not hinted that, but I kind of delved into it a little bit in. Um, there's actually an axed part six of Blood Red Sand that kind of deals with the events after uh, everything that you've read in the book. Um, I just I sent it on to my publisher, and uh, she liked it, but it was just kind of like right, maybe we should give it a bit more of a natural ending, you know, because it kind of it went from the ending that you know delving into events uh, about a year and a half later and it was just one chapter kind of dedicated to building up to this this epic battle that was referenced in in big red um called the the siege of uh, forward base zulu okay. and dub actually uh, overhears kind of people talking about when he first arrives in kind of new berlin when he's on the train station there's two corporals talking to each other and they're like oh i haven't seen you since like forward base zulu and they all go kind of silent and look away and he's like i wonder what the hell that's all about but uh, <laughs> That's, that's what I kind of want to explore in, in Blood Red Steel is like this pivotal kind of battle in, in this this growing kind of war. Um, and it's going to have some of the, the, the characters from Blood Red Sand in it in, in a different phase in their careers and introduce a whole range of kind of new characters as well. So yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that one.
0: Yes. You know, when you're all done, you're going to have to have like this companion guide of all yeah. the characters and timelines and yeah. your timeline is not going to be this it's going to be roop, 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 you know all these yeah. wiggly lines connecting here and there which I, I do
1: i have to send that on to my publisher or i already did for for blood red sand and it was just like this bit is a reference to this mentioned in big red and <laughs> this is a reference to this and this is why that's there and that's building into this and that ties into this bit of dialogue and big red and stuff like that so <laughs> something like that does Kind of existing at the minute, but yeah, say once I get yes. through it all, yeah, I will have to kind of you know do an <laughs> overview for everybody, you know.
0: Well, and you know, people will buy it because I'm the kind of person <laughs> that okay, so I'm um, I'm a trekkie, and you know, I would buy all the companions, and I I bought like the technical guide for the enterprise and. Ooh. You know, I would look at it and go, I have no idea what any of this means, but it's really cool. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's good to have, <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that is kind of living the dream, you know. Uh, and I did kind of, I'm toying with the idea of doing like um like a filler kind of mini book in between the events of kind of um Blood Red Sand and kind of uh, Blood Red Steel just to cover like... um some of the bits that we'll kind of gloss over, but they're kind of pivotal kind of scenes as well. So uh, I had kind of thought about maybe doing a a novella type thing, maybe. Um, But I'm I'm toying around with it. We'll we'll see. We'll see.
0: (laughs) Well, if nothing else, write it down. And then someday in the future may go, oh, I know what to do with this now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That way it's all down. Oh, my goodness. Well, Damien, I... I just love talking with you. You're so easy to talk to. Um, and we haven't even talked about writing details, (laughs) you know, um, but it's just, it's just fun to see someone out there doing it and having fun doing it because I I know a lot of times my husband will tell me, why are you writing? Every time you talk about it, you sound miserable. And I'm like, (laughs) it's not the writing part. It's the marketing and the selling part. I hate, you know, uh, so I, it's just it's just fun every time I see you on Instagram or, or anywhere you've just always got your big smile and you're it just looks like you're having a blast so <laughs> Thank I you. appreciate
1: Thank you. that. <laughs> no, that's good to hear. And yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, because I, I love what I'm doing. Um, and I'm the type of person who I never really knew what I wanted to do in life. You know, especially growing mm. up, I didn't kind of like I wasn't like I was eight years old and saying, "Oh, I want to be a writer." You know, <laughs> uh, I wanted to be all sorts of different things and I worked all different types of jobs. And even as I said, I'm very, very happy in the career that I'm in now. But at the same time, I want to, be, to write. I just love it so much. I've never felt this passion for something like uh, for anthem kind of, you know, quote unquote, work related before. And um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm passionate about sticking with it. And like, like that, if it takes like five years, 10 years, 100 years, I'm on my deathbed before I make it, you know, I'll do it because to me, it's a win-win. Yes. I'm doing something that I enjoy doing and even if I never get to where I want to be I'll still be able to look back on my life and say you know what I'm actually very satisfied with that you know I have yeah. a great family like I've worked a job um pretty much my entire kind of working life. life uh, and I, like in my past time I just wrote books you know so that, that means <laughs> like a win-win-win so
0: yeah. most of my questions would be like tell me spoilers and I'm like I can't ask that <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: so I'm, I'm trying it's to tricky. be very
0: good and I'm trying to be patient <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, no pressure. Yeah, look, uh,
1: like uh, the, the will you will have uh, like all the answers. It's just it's a matter of when, more than Anthony, You know, when, when yeah. it would feel like kind of getting them out there and answering them. You know, I'm like tag them along for another book or two, you know? But um, no, I think yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I think they kind of like people love those kind of hooks in it as well. And it does create that that kind of level of interest, you know, rather than it just be cut and dry that, you know, question something in book one and give you the end and then, or the answers in book one. I kind of wanted to expand on it, you know, um, because there's a, there's a whole universe to what I'm doing. Uh, and even like I've got a couple of spin offs kind of planned, like um one of the projects um, that I I got a green light off my publisher uh, on the back of another kind of interview I I did a while back, but I I kind of mentioned how I'd love to explore the American kind of zone of occupation because um, as I've kind of referenced in the books, it's, it's split up mars itself is kind of split up into five occupational zones and like big red kind of deals with more of the european side of stuff whereas it, there is references to an american zone um so that that is you know an area that i really really want to dive into uh, and i mentioned uh I, whatever interview was on i kind of mentioned saying that i had this name for it and it was called the red young guns where it focused on a bunch of like american teenagers who were abducted from uh, their lives back in america and had their minds wiped and they were kind of being trained to be like the elite soldiers so whereas in Big Red they were just a regular grunts ground troops these are like Mm -hmm. the best of the best special forces had no recollection of their their lives back in America or just like use as a counter insurgency force and it's kind of dealing with normal teenagers who don't really have a clue what's (laughs) going on with them and then slowly they're kind of questioning their existence but Mm -hmm. then kind of turn against their kind of occupiers and become like a I suppose like a I don't want to say a terrorist group, but they're kind of like, yeah, you know, the West kind of bandits where they're just living their own lives and they don't yeah. care for authority and they're not necessarily bad guys. They just want to be free of like government kind of, you know, authority and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, but yeah, I think I got about 16,000 words into, into that story and I really loved it, but I kind of decided to put it on hold because it's a bit of like a domino thing. Uh, yes. if, if I wrote it, um, it wouldn't make sense because I hadn't written um, Born Red and I can't write porn red until I know how, how blood red sand is going down. So it's kind of there was no point yes. in kind of releasing a new kind of like spin off w- without kind of some at least some of the answers or questions being answered uh, in which I could answer in those two books. So I had to kind of like put a bit of a, a needle in it, you know. And I was really loving it as well. But it was like you know they're talking about things that you know haven't really been explored, so I can't really, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I don't think it would make sense from a reader's point of view, if they're right. kind of like only reading these like big red and then blood red sand. And they're like, when's he ever going to write a sequel to anything, you know? So
0: I was like, yes, okay. yes. Well, we appreciate that because like I said, we have those answers, but that is like really smart of you too, though, to think I have these other offshoots I can do. Yeah. I just have to be patient and finish the one so
1: yeah, it's, it's kind of like uh, like I, I didn't want to tie myself down with just one idea and i suppose i like experimenting with different kind of styles as well like there was the, the first person in big red and third person in um in blood red sand so it's constantly kind of tweaking how i write things i don't mm-hmm. want to just do the same format over and over again and um, so the likes of even uh uh, Red Young Guns it was told in the, in the present tense first person present so wow. rather than it being a recollection it was like this is happening to me right now you know yeah. which I think from, from my perspective it was, it was a bit chilling because you're dealing with these not grown adults but they're, they're teenagers yeah. I think the opening chapter was an exercise where they're being tested as the new generation of hollows. and it's just this young girl she's I think I had her at about 16 but she's ordered to like kill her best friend in a fight to the death and it's just real brutal like from her perspective she's trying to i suppose walk a balance between like following these orders but also murdering someone she, she cares about type of thing you know so it's probably again exploring the darkness but it's just it felt very kind of visceral to be writing it and i'm doing this right now i have my hands over her throat and i'm watching the life drain from her eyes you know and she's 16 so um yeah <laughs> to
0: about... get into that psychology and yeah it's
1: it's yeah just yeah tricky because i've never really kind of done an in the moment type of story it's always a reflection, and you know, he even like a big red, um, when Dub kind of uh, looks back on some of the actions that he's done, like in particular it was after the the Riker rebellion when they went in and they just committed all sorts of atrocities against kind of the civilians, just in retaliation for the for their their own dead, and it's you can feel that darkness in him, um, but he's only recalling it. You know, he's he's kind of. Looking back on what he did the day before, and there's a little hint of kind of guilt, maybe, but you know, um, he's not doing it in the moment, which I think always stayed with me as like Jesus, that would probably be more horrible if he's describing it as he's doing it, you know, um, which was the inspiration for that scene for for Red Young Guns, but. Like I said, I'll get to it at some point.
0: Yes. Well, and I love the young guns part totally puts me in a Wild West.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what mind, I was aiming for. So, yeah. so perfect. I, I want to be like a kind of a Western sci-fi type of thing, you know, where it starts off with the military aspect. But they, they for whatever reasons, they eventually kind of decide to to, to rebel and do their own thing, you know. And, you know, it has this Wild West kind of feel as they're, you know, kind of hitting back at their former masters. But at the same time, just want to be free. They're just teenagers who want to live their lives, you know.
0: Well, there's so much for us to look forward to. (laughs) I'm excited about it. And uh, we'll just keep our ears and eyes open so that when you pop up and go, Hey, okay, this is what I'm doing and here's when it's coming, we will we will be ready for it and we'll make sure yeah, we share it on the Absolutely. On the well, I'd say t- it will
1: be in the next couple of weeks where I kind of like announce what I'm actually working on now more than that. And yeah. so uh, in the meantime, I'm working on a completely unrelated whip and uh, nothing to do with Big Red or the Big Red universe, but I want to kind of get that finished first and then I'll kind of make the deci- decision on what's coming next. And knowing how I work, I'm just, as soon as I make that decision and I know what's going to work, I'll just dive straight into it and I'll have something ready to go in about four months, give or take, you know?
0: So do you want to talk about that unnamed, unrelated whip that yeah. you just, <laughs> can <Absolutely>. you?
1: <laughs> yeah, of course you can, yeah. It's, uh, again, like I mentioned, I like to experiment um, as much as possible. So I don't want to kind of get bogged down in just the, the one genre the whole time. Um, but now, for the record, I absolutely love writing um, military science fiction. If I can get bestseller status, I'd be happy with kind of like writing those books for, for the rest of my life. But at the same time, I like to mix things up a little bit. So uh, I've never been, um, I've never read much horror Uh, i love horror movies now for the record absolutely you know i could sit down and watch them all day long but i i'd never read too much up until recently Uh, and i just had this idea for a story um that just really kind of just you know when it kind of buries deep into your brain and you know kind of you can't let it go but it's a science fiction horror story set um following this crew and just a, a normal kind of crew of like um supply ship on their way to a colony and they come across this um long lost kind of vessel and um, that's kind of really infamous you know in the sense that like it was supposed to carry a bunch of these rich people to to a new planet to, to found their own kind of colony but it went missing and um it's kind of like based on i suppose seaborne legends here um on earth where you know you you every now and again you'll hear a story about a ship going missing and then it comes out uh, so we'll call it, it's it's under the, the working title of uh, the dead marie um and it's based on the name of the ship is the the, the Marie Celeste um or sorry the, the Marie Antoinette which is based on the the Marie Celeste kind of uh, story you know so it's yeah it's kind of just following this crew they, they find the ship and all sorts of weird stuff starts happening so it's yeah I won't say too much more than that but yeah it's, it's the first time where I would have written a book where there's not like a, a big explosion in the first scene people are getting machine gunned to death it's kind of like exploring this this ship that that they can make a load of money off of but there's also weird going on and the, the captain's starting to act very very strange and stuff you know so
0: see yeah. that's only something else i would read so Yay! thank you
1: <laughs> yeah stand by watch the space
0: <laughs> yes and once you get through all the big red and blood red and all yeah. that good stuff we could we could look forward to that
1: yeah absolutely yeah
0: <laughs> <sighs> well damien thank you so much for being with us today i like i said you're you're one of my favorite authors to talk to because you're so easy <laughs> thank to you. Talk thank to you very with. much we, we love happy, positive people.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Life's too short.
0: We will make sure everybody knows. Uh, my guess is this podcast will come out right about the time that uh, Blood Red Sand is releasing. So hopefully people will go out and grab it. I'll make sure that my review is posted on Amazon as well because uh, I really enjoyed it. <laughs>
1: that's brilliant and cheers thank you very much for for taking the time and again thank you for having me on the show like i love just having uh sitting down and having chats about all things writing so it's uh it's been an absolute pleasure as always and thank you very much to everyone out there who's listening to this interview and who's uh watching on youtube and so forth but thanks thanks very much really appreciate it
0: thank you again so much for being here damien okay everybody you have about a week to go and grab big red the first book in the series on amazon link is in the show notes and to pre-order Blood Red Sand. I promise if you like military sci-fi, this is a great story. It is a fast-paced and fun ride. Okay, well, if you can call war fun, but you know what I mean. So go out, find Damien, and uh, make sure that if you do pick up his books to leave a review. Until next time, keep writing or start writing.